please take out your Bibles and turn with me to the book of First Chronicles, the 16th chapter. We're going to look this morning at a message very simply entitled Thanksgiving and, and talk about the things that God has given us and, and the attitude of Thanksgiving that's supposed to be a part of our heart, that, that's supposed to be present in what we do and, and uh, to govern how we do uh, the things that, that are a part of our life. You know, Thanksgiving, regardless of what the world would like to tell us and regardless of how politically correct the, the world would like to make us, Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday. It is a time in our nation when we set aside uh, at, at its very beginning an opportunity to thank God. And, and if you think back to what had actually taken place historically, uh, those first settlers were thanking God in the midst of some incredibly different, difficult circumstances. They, man, a lot of the family that they were there with and their friends had had literally starved to death or gotten diseases. They, they had gone through hardship and, and, and struggled literally just to, to do what they believed and knew that God had brought them to do. And, you know, I, I can imagine that there were some times where they were really wondering, God, did we really follow your leadership? I mean, you clearly led us to this point. Why in the world are we struggling? And the honest truth is every single one of us has been there before. You know, we've gone through difficult times, even many times when we tried to be obedient and done the things that we believe God is leading us to do the best and, and greatest way. We've followed the Lord's leadership, and, and in the midst of that, difficulty comes. We try to be obedient to the best of our ability, and you know what? People still get sick. People still get hurt. Lives are still lost. Divorces still occur. All of those things take place even when we try to be obedient. And, and, and probably, if we're honest, every single one of us at some point in time has, has said, God, why? why? Why is this happening to me right now? I'm trying to be obedient to you the best way I know how. And that's exactly what was going on in the lives of those first settlers that celebrated Thanksgiving. It's exactly what took place in the, in the story we're going to look at this morning in David's life. David was trying to do the thing that God had instructed him to do. And in the midst of that, a friend of his named Uzzah dies. And yet David still teaches us, I have to thank God. I have to understand that he is still on his throne and he is still Lord and he is still God in all of those circumstances. What a, what a powerful testimony uh, we got to hear last Sunday evening from, from Randy and Christy Clark. You know, can, I don't know about you, but, but man, I, I can't imagine as a husband and a wife both being diagnosed with cancer in such a short time frame and God bringing them through to this point and leading them and comforting them and encouraging them and using a church family. I, man, I, I'm a testimony to, to, to this loving church family. What you guys have done uh, through, through Laurie's surgery has just been a blessing, okay? But, 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 man, what a powerful testimony. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, I, I know we can put that up on our website, and I would encourage you to go and to listen that, that even in the midst of difficulty, you see, the Word of God teaches us that regardless of what we are going through, Regardless of my circumstance, God is still God, and God is still on his throne, and I can still thank him, praise him for who he is. And so this morning, we're going to look at, at a moment of worship that the chronicler records, where David, a man after God's own heart, had gone through a serious soul-searching time, and he teaches us about worship. 
at about thanking God. If you have your Bibles open there to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, if you would please stand with me this morning as we are the reading of the Word of God. Beginning in verse 1, they brought the ark of God and placed it inside the tent David had pitched for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings in God's presence. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to each and to every Israelite, both men and women, a loaf of bread, a date cake, and and a raisin cake. David appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to celebrate the Lord God of Israel and to give thanks and praise to him. Asaph was the chief, and Zechariah was the second to him. Jael, Shemanoth, Jahel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and Jael played the harps and the lyres where Asaph sounded the cymbals. And the priest, Benaiah, and Jehazael blew the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant. On the day David decreed for the first time that thanks be given to the Lord by Asaph and his relatives, this is what they said, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wonderful works. You may be seated. May God bless his word this morning as we study it together. There's some things that David teaches us. As we As we think about Thanksgiving, as we think about setting the tone for the rest of the year, we're going to close out the year. It's hard to believe that that 2015, I just got where I don't write 2014 on my checks, okay? And and, and it's coming to a close, and I'm fixing to have to write 2016 on my checks, okay? That's just, and some of you are going, what's a check, okay? You know, but I still have to touch it and hold it, okay? But, but. We are, we are, you know, we're moving fast. The, the, the year is going to close out. And, and in the midst of that, David is setting the tone for how you and I give thanks. And the first thing that I want us to see in this text is we're called to give thanks. We, we've been called as a people of God going through whatever we're going through. We are called in the midst of our circumstances to give thanks. Look at verse 4. Okay? In verse 4, David says, David appointed some of the Levites to be ministers before the ark of the Lord to celebrate the Lord God of Israel and to give thanks and praise to him. Now, David's just lost a dear friend. Okay? They've tried to move the ark. The ark has been out. It has been uh, literally placed off in isolation in one person's house. It's not been there. The ark was symbolic of the power and the presence of God. It's not been there for all of Israel to worship. And, and, and David wants it back. He wants it to be the center because he wants God to be the center of everything that's going on in the nation of Israel. And so David, in his mind, God says, bring the ark back. So David goes to get the ark, but he doesn't do it exactly like God wanted. Okay, the Bible had a prescribed way that the ark was to be carried. And David just thought he would take a shortcut and just do it. And so he's doing it, and he's carrying on an ark, and, and the oxen stumbles. And as the, the oxen stumbles, the ark shifts, and Uzzah, this friend of David, reaches out to stabilize the ark. Man, he just doesn't want it to hit the ground. And the moment he does, God kills it. Bible says don't touch the ark and and so David is angry he was being obedient he was doing what he thought best to be obedient to God and in the process a friend of his dies 
And so now David has reinitiated the process. He studies. He's doing exactly like God says. And he says in verse 4 that he appointed Levites. The Levites were the guys that were in charge of the temple. It was their purpose to care for the tent of meeting. And he appoints them, the Bible says, to celebrate. And, and, and so he, he wants them literally to celebrate. And, and he talks about some specific things. Celebrate to the Lord God of Israel to give thanks and to praise him. And, and so David says these people have been specifically called to give thanks. And they were literally, that word there for thanks means to extend the hand towards God, to say he's it. And the way they did that was to record a song. They wrote a song proclaiming all that God had done and all that God was. And, and, and in that song, what they did is they boasted about who God is. That was what the song's purpose was. They were to give testimony. They were called specifically and set aside for one purpose. Boast in song to everybody that can hear about who God is. You and I have been called to do the same thing. If you're here today, you have a relationship to Jesus Christ. And I don't care what label you stick on yourself. I don't care if you call yourself a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist or, or Pentecostal or non-denominational. I don't care about the label that you hang on yourself. If you have a relationship to God through his son, Jesus Christ, that has changed you and changed your heart, the word of God says you and I have been appointed as Levites for a purpose. To praise him. To lift our hand to him, to extend the hand and to boast about what he has done. To boast about his place and his presence in our lives. To talk about those things of who he is. And the reality is we take too much for granted today. I mean, we, we, we don't want to look like spiritual nutcases. But because of that, we don't tell enough to the world about who he is. And because we don't tell the world who he is, they don't know him. I mean, we wonder why it is that there is no longer a belt buckle to the Bible belt. And, and we used to live in what was called the belt buckle of the Bible. We wonder why. It's because we, the world doesn't know him. And the world doesn't know him because you and I have been called to give thanks. And we're not. We're not boasting about who he is. We're not bragging. And, and we need to understand that place. We as believers are called to give thanks. I want to read to you, regardless of what the world tries to tell us today about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday, okay? 1990s, early 1990s, there was a debate going on in New York City, uh, New York State, about teaching Thanksgiving. And what the students in the school districts they were being taught is they were being taught that the pilgrims gathered together to give thanks to the Indians. They wanted to thank the Indians because the Indians had really brought them through, okay? Well, there's one mom in a suburban school district actually called the principal and said, you know, you might want to teach them that really the first Thanksgiving was about thanking God. And the principal said, in your opinion, well, I want to read to you the true intent of Thanksgiving. This is from the opening words of President George Washington's original proclamation, October 3rd, 1789. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Doesn't sound like we weren't a Christian nation back then, does it? 
to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, Therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of this great and glorious being who is the benefact, beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him, not gender neutral, unto him, our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. So God was there before they ever started. For the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty which we, with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he has been pleased to confer upon us. Christians, gathering together to thank God for everything that he had done since the beginning of this country. Before it ever was a country. Before the, 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 the war against Britain was ever engaged in. Thanksgiving it's a time for you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ alone, to begin to proclaim who he is and what he has done and what he is still doing in our midst. Not only have we been called, but the second thing that David teaches us is we have a cause for which to give thanks. Look at verse 8. In verse 8, David says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the people. Now, that, that holding out of the hand, that thanksgiving means to hold out one's uh, hand towards God is prompted in three areas. First, he says giving thanks, and that means prayer. Okay, so the, the cause that we give, the, the way we give thanks is to pray. Our prayers ought to be petitions of thanksgiving. Secondly, he says, not only do, do we give praise, but the second part of verse 8 is to proclaim his, or I'm sorry, to call upon his name. And the word there for call upon his name means to sing. So your, part of your Thanksgiving tradition ought to be to have a song of thanksgiving in what you do. Okay? And I'm nominating somebody else in my family to lead that part. Okay? But literally, the scripture says we ought to pray, okay? There ought to be a time of prayer or thanksgiving in our, our homes. There ought to be songs of thanksgiving that, that we lift to who God is. And then the third part of that is that we proclaim his deeds among the people. And that's testimony, okay? That we verbally, and again, I, I said this earlier, we don't want to be seen as spiritual nuts. But the reality is there needs to be a more vocal testimony of who God is and what God has done and what he is doing and will do in our midst. I mean, everybody's all upset. 
Okay? The terrorists, oh my, ISIS is going to, they might. Guess what? Revelation said that 2,000 years ago. Guess who's in charge? God. I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. If ISIS walks in here and tries to do something on Sunday morning, I'm ducking behind that pulpit. I am, because there's more people going to die by friendly fire than they die by ISIS, okay? And this, some of you are carrying concealed, and you're sitting there going, let them come. Man, I've talked about getting this bulletproof, okay? And I'm just going to hide. Somebody said, well, you're never there anyway. It won't matter. You know, I'll dive, man. You know, I'll fit through. I'll, I'll find a way. But, you know, I'm not worried about it, okay? God's in control. And and my purpose in the midst of everything that's going on, good, bad, or indifferent, I have call to praise him, and I have cause to praise him away. My prayers, my songs, and my testimony needs to begin to ring out that he's still God, even in the midst of tragedy. He's still God. He's still on his throne. On the back of your bulletin, we gave you a place, and this is what I want you to do, okay? I want you to take just a moment, I want you to write down three things for which you're thankful, okay? I, I did this already because I knew we were going to do it. I wrote down my salvation, my wife, and this church family. Now, you can't use my three. Okay, you can use your own three, but you can't use my three, all right? You can, you can be thankful for your wife, husbands, or uh, husbands, wives. You can be thankful. I want you to take just a moment to write down three things right now that you're thankful for. Take, take a moment. Write them down. If you can remember longer than 30 seconds, you don't have to write them down. Ten more seconds. Okay. Those of you who can, okay, stand up. If you can physically stand up without a lot of effort, stand up. On the count of three, we are going to offer all together in our various things that we are thankful for a thanksgiving of praise to our Father. So when I say one, two, three, you just say those three things out loud together that you're thankful for, okay? It's going to be utter chaos, but you know what it's going to be? It's going to be utter pleasure in the ears of our Heavenly Father. And you know what? He's going to hear every single one of us individually, collectively together. Whatever you're thankful for, one, two, three. Salvation, wife, and this church. That's it. You can sit down. That's what we're supposed to do. You see, what would happen more if instead of bad-mouthing our husbands and wives, we went out to our neighbors and our friends and said, man, have I told you how good God is and what he's given me in my wife or what he's given me in my husband? Have I told you how good God is, how he has blessed me with the home that I have and a vehicle? You see, guys, we go through some hard stuff in this country. Don't get me wrong. Okay, there, there's, there's a family, um, I, I just want you to write down, write down the Kennedy family, okay? This is a family from, 
from, I, I don't even know, actually know where they're from. Their son was a student at, at, at Texas A&M University. Uh, Friday evening, he was walking to the store and hitting, hit and, and by a drunk driver. And uh, this morning, his mom and dad had to make a decision to take him off of life support. Okay. And, and he is the, the boyfriend of, of uh, Brent Kirkland's niece, Madison. So you pray for that family. Okay. They're going through some tough times. But the decision that they made, his mother said, we have decided to let him go be with the Lord. See, even in the midst of tragedy, we can praise God. Because that young man's going home. And he's going to understand life better than any of us have ever understood it. Until we know it with Christ. Okay? I'm telling you, there are so many things that you and I, we don't even have a clue how blessed we are in this country. And we take it for granted. And we don't tell people about what God has done. We're we're looking for all the other stuff. Man, I, I, I got up this morning. It was 34 degrees outside. My house was a little cool because I still had it set on, I got one of those smart thermometers. Or, no, smart thermostats. There you go. I'll get the word right in a minute. It's so smart it couldn't figure out it got cold last night. (laughs) Unless I flip it to the heat setting. So this morning I got up, it was a little cold in the house. And uh, so I went in and I looked and the the temperature in my house was down about 60 degrees, which for me I like, okay, It it was okay. But I don't run my house. So I went over and I hit the button that turned it to heat. And in a little bit, my house warmed up. You know what? That doesn't happen in everybody's home. And that doesn't happen around the world. There, there are so many things that we take for granted, so many things that God has done, and so many ways that he has blessed us. And we just take it for granted. Man, start being a testimony. Start, man, if you've been saved, if you have a relationship to Jesus Christ, start, start telling people, man, can I tell you what God has done for me? Will you, will you take just a moment to listen to how God is blessed? And then the third thing that this passage shows us is that I am to thank God for my salvation. Look at verse 34, 35, 36, right there at the end of the chapter. Verse 34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And say, save us, God of our salvation. Gather us and rescue us from the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. May the Lord, the God of Israel, be praised from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. David man after God's own heart, called of God to be king of Israel, is about to lead Israel, or has at this point, begun to establish Israel, and in Israel, the greatest period of peace that Israel will ever know in its history, either biblical times or modern times. Okay? They are at peace when David ends his reign. When Solomon takes over, Israel has, has, at no other point in history, Even today, they do not enjoy the peace that they enjoyed under David. 
So David has led them to this place. He has delivered them. He has defeated their enemies. He has done all of these things as this leader of the nation of Israel. And yet David says, pray to God, God, save us. Save us. And what he was talking about is there were still people that were part of Israel who were in bondage or captivity. There were still people who were being persecuted. The battle is never over until God says it's done. And our cause is to continually ask God to save us. We are, David taught them to pray, Lord, say, pray for those who are in affliction. And God continued to deliver because you are the God of freedom and the God of deliverance. There are people all around us who do not understand the freedom that Jesus Christ gives. They are in bondage to, to, to things. They're, they're in bondage to pornography on the internet. They're in bondage to alcohol and to drugs. They're in bondage to abuse. They're in bondage to a lot of different things. And they don't understand Jesus Christ said, it is finished. It's done. And they were to praise God. And they were to say to him, God, save us. It's what Paul meant in Romans 8.30. And Paul talks there about those that he predestined, those whom God predestined, those he foreknew, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. It is the process of salvation. You see, if you're saved today, if you have a relationship to Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, period, not a son, the Son, the one and only, only begotten, never to be duplicated Son of God, that he came to this earth and lived a sinless life, perfect and holy, that he died for your sin and my sin on the cross, that he was buried dead for three days, and on the third day he rose in power, and he has been resurrected and ascended and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that today, and you believe by grace in faith, grace of God that he gave you to have faith that he is who he says he is you have a relationship to Christ if you are saved the Bible says you are called okay that's justification you're saved today not because of who you are but you're saved today because of his sacrifice you are justified you're made right and you can be just as dirty and just as sinful and just as hurtful and in a moment boom except faith you're justified saved but you're also being saved, okay? And, and you got all of Jesus you're ever gonna get the moment you got saved. But being saved, sanctification, is the process where Jesus gets more of us. It's where he begins to change our speech, and he begins to change our thoughts, and he begins to change our heart, and he begins to change our actions. I am being saved. I look more like Jesus today than I did a year ago. I'm sanctified. And one of these days, boom, glorified. I'm going to get a new body. Mine's going to be about 6'1", 202, 7% body fat, knees that work, and I'm going to play, and I'm going to run, and I'm going to enjoy in heaven all the things that I've enjoyed here, but they're going to be better there. I'm going to go out and play football again. Tackle. Nobody's going to get a concussion. Nobody's going to get a torn up knee. 
We're going to shake hands and be friends. We'll change teams and play against each other. I'm going to be a quarterback. <laughs> and after I play my first game, I'm going nine innings the next day. And I'm going to be a left-handed pitcher with a nasty curveball. I'm not left-handed, but I will be in heaven. I don't know all that for sure, but I do know this. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I know it's life, and I'm going to live it. It's not just sitting around. Larry, I'm sorry, okay? We ain't sitting on clouds and singing all day, okay? We're not. That's not heaven, okay? We get this idea it's spiritual. I'm going to be up with the harp and flying around like a little angel. No, that ain't spiritual, okay? That's not what heaven talks about. That's not what the Word of God teaches us. That's what, the, that's what Satan wants you to believe. And you think about heaven for 10,000 years, I'm going to sing. Man, I'm going to go. It's not that. It's real. It can be touched and tasted and felt and smelt and all those things that, that God wants for us. Everything that's good here is just a partial glimpse of what is great and holy and perfect there. That's, that's what it means to be saved, glorified, changed in a moment. It's what Paul meant when he, when he wrote and, and he says in, in, in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not afraid to give my testimony. Why? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who will believe. That's what he meant when he wrote and, and, and he talked in, in 2 Corinthians. and He says in 2 Corinthians 12, when, when he asked God to remove this thorn from him, and God, I'm not strong enough to keep doing. God, I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm tired. I want to quit. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. You have a testimony. If you have a relationship to Christ today, you've been called. It is that process. I am saved. I'm being saved. One of these days, I'm going to know salvation. Glorified. That's what he wants. You know, it's, it's that old saying, I'm not who I ought to be. And, and I'm not who I'm going to be. But thank God, I'm not who I used to be. Sam Houston, the founder of our state, greatest state in the union. The leading founding father, two failed marriages, a heavy drinker. In fact, the Cherokee Indians in Texas had named him Big Drunk. Led this country or this nation, uh, the state of Texas, who was a nation at that time, in its battle for independence. And and, and after the war, he got married a third time to a young lady named Margaret Lee, L-E-A. She wanted Sam Houston to be saved. She prayed for her husband to come to faith. And, and he would go to church with her, but he just never felt like he was good enough to be saved. One day, a Texas Baptist pastor named George Washington Baines 1859, I believe. I'll check the date. 1840, sorry. George Washington Baines, Texas Baptist leader, explained to George Wash uh, to, to Sam Houston grace. We sang about this a moment ago. I was humbly kneeling at the cross, fearing not but God's angry frown. Any of you been there? Man, I'm, 
I'm not good enough for this thing, Jesus. Man, I don't want to stand before God one day. I don't want to be there because I'm not good enough. God's angry. God is mad. God is looking down. He's looking for a reason to zap me. Anybody been there? Sam Houston was there. George Washington Baines explained to Sam Houston God's grace. 1854, Sam Houston accepted Jesus Christ at Independence, Texas. A few months later, he was baptized by a Texas Baptist pastor, pastor of Independence Baptist Church in Independence, Texas. And he was baptized by a guy named R.C. Burleson. As R.C. Burleson brought him up out of the water, he looked at him and said, Sam, your sins are washed away. To which Sam Houston said, I pity the fish downstream. True story. Grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Marvelous, matchless, wonderful grace. Grace that can pardon, cleanse within. Grace. Our testimony. It's to be thankful for what God has done and God is doing in our midst. I am to be thankful specifically for what God has done and is doing daily in my life. As a child of God, man, take the holiday season and start telling God thank you. Every chance you get, man, stop somebody. I don't want to be a religious nut. You're not. You're just a thankful nut. Tell them, this is what God's done in my life. This is what I'm thankful for. This is who he is. There, there's some of us here this morning, and, and the honest truth is we need to brush up our testimony. I mean, our, our testimony may be when I was eight years old, I walked out of a church and asked Jesus to be Lord of my life, and I got saved when I was eight. The problem is you're 48. And God has done so many things in your life since then. Man, freshen up your testimony. You have a story to tell. You have a story that can change somebody's life. There's some of us here today, and the honest truth is, you don't have a story. You know about God. You know who Jesus is, but the reality is you've never let him be Lord of your life. And that doesn't mean joining the church, and that doesn't mean, that's, just, that's, that's the, the religious trappings that we hang on this thing. It means that you understand that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you're saved. And what you need right now is to call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to be Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sin, and, and to save you, to give you eternity, and to give you a testimony. Thanksgiving. Time for you and I to be thankful for who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do.